When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch, now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Hi, we're here for another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. How are you doing? Uh, we're joined today by Alec Pugliano. How are you doing, Alec? Doing well, Ken. Good to talk to you again. All right. Always a pleasure, my friend. And uh, we're going to talk t- today a little bit about the wide receivers that are out there in the free agent market. Obviously, some heavy activity during the tampering period. And as always, this time of year, I feel it's necessary to, to say exactly when we're recording this. So it's 1030 on the morning of the 17th. We're during the tampering period. Uh, the free agent period opens tomorrow and had some interesting activity already. We're going to talk a little bit about that and the other skill position players that might be available. We really, there's the Ravens are well set in terms of obviously the running back and we thought the tight end position, which changed yesterday with the trade of uh, Hayden Hurst. And at wide receiver, there's a fairly deep draft pool, but there's still fairly, fairly much to talk about, uh, I think, along those lines. Yeah, absolutely. I think it actually maybe got more interesting since the last time we talked. <laughs> yeah, very much so. And, uh, uh, you know, one thing I wanted to make sure we mention up front is there's a lot of talk always on Twitter, and it seems to happen whenever a free agent becomes available, uh, about some players who are either pretty much done or who have so much in the way of baggage they bring with them, you would never want them, but they still get a lot of discussion. It seems to happen more at the skill positions than anywhere else. And I'll give you one name that keeps coming up is Des Bryant. And that's a, he's mm-hmm. a guy who has been out of the league for two years. Before that, 
He had 300 targets in his last three years with the Cowboys, caught 150 of them. I can't even tell you. That's just not good. 150 targets for a guy who's more of a possession guy than a deep threat. Uh, you know, had to make a lot of contested catches, obviously, but also uh, just wasn't making them at a particularly high rate. I, I, and yet you hear the name come up. He's a marquee name. And there's still talk going on about maybe that's a guy the Ravens should sign. Yeah, I mean, let's get off the retread wide receiver uh, bandwagon. <laughs> that Des Bryant was a great player at one point, and uh, there's no denying that. But at this point, two years out of the league and just increasing in age and injuries, I I can't get excited about something like that. Okay, so that's going to be like one. Like you said, like he's a diva, right? <laughs> I don't think that's really what we want. So uh, yeah. It, Skill position players, you got to find the right fit, and uh, particularly with egos and and ball, um, it, the percentage share they get in the offense, et cetera. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, in a lot of a lot, well, I say don't completely blame him, but Hayden Hurst is leaving because he's not a high percentage of targets guy. You know, in fact, last year he got eight and a half percent targets as a percentage of his snaps. Okay, while Andrews got twenty one percent. Now, they play the exact same number of snaps, so it's just a question of what's the relative number of targets there. You can just look that up. It should be 21 to 8.5 is, is that ratio. Um, other free agent receivers who are used to getting 140 targets a year, 100 targets a year even, are not going to get it in this offense. Jackson just has not thrown out the num- outside the numbers that much. I don't know how much that will improve in the coming year. And the free agent treadmill you know, you mentioned retreads. I just want to want to talk about this. It's also a treadmill in terms of when you pay these guys. Mm-hmm. Acquiring people at the point of free agency is horrifically expensive. It's like the last resort to fill holes that you've messed up with in your drafting and development of players. And when you do it, you you end up spending a disproportionate amount of cap there. And when you just look back at the Ravens you know, past seasons in terms of what they did with, with older receivers in 2018, they picked up Michael Crabtree and John Brown. I mean, those were not guys that were particularly exciting. You go to 2019, you know, even having players like Sneed, who was in, I guess Sneed was in his second year with the Ravens in 2019, right? He was there, there in mm-hmm. 2018 already. So he, he wasn't a terrible free agent pickup and they did spend a little bit of money on him. Um, but also they got, they got Seth Roberts and, and, you know, it's just some unexciting, um, guys is what you typically get from free agency. Uh, 2017, Mike Wallace and Jeremy Macklin. Jeremy Macklin completely disengaged from uh, his play. You know, obviously there, there are all kinds of things going around the locker room in terms of him being a bad teammate, not really being in the game with his foot out of bounds on one key uh, pass near the end of the season. Uh, 2016, Wallace and Steve Smith. Okay. You know, Wallace was good for a year. Steve Smith in there was a hell of a player for a little bit of time. But again, I don't like going after free agents, paying top dollar for guys that are in decline. So that's another thing you get with free agents is you're always Mm -hmm. getting somebody who's in at least their fifth season. And these guys get to be, I mean, you know, a 25, 26-year-old player in their fifth season, no problem. You know, that guy is still, is probably okay for the term of your contract. Which, by the way, is is a... Pretty cool reason why they might have let Hurst go is that he he was probably not going to be a really great second contract player. Hmm. Yeah, he was a little bit older coming into the league. Right. So definitely somebody that that uh, you know you'd be concerned about that. You know, they, but you go back the year before even 
They acquired a guy in his fourth year, Chris Givens, for a seventh-round pick, speedster. But again, if you wanted to buy into that player for long term, it's 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 a it's a difficult situation. It's a it's going to be a more expensive proposition. So I, I like trying to avoid that. You get the your best years of harvesting value on players are on their rookie deal, and you rob yourself of that ability if you clog your roster with veterans who are going to take playing time and development time away from those guys who have a chance to really give you value above cap. Yeah, you find that you patch your team through free agency. It's not a way to build a dynasty whatsoever. You'll end up overpaying. You'll lose compensatory picks. It's really just a horrible combination. You do it out of necessity. Not, uh, it's not enjoyable sometimes, you know? Like, it's exciting yeah. to get these big players. Like, uh, Earl Thomas, for instance, was exciting to get that kind of player. But the only reason we had to do that is because we failed at drafting a safety for years. We, we drafted, like, four or five, and they all didn't really work out. So that's... That's the hard truth of free agency. Well, the other part of it was they didn't know what they had from a great safety on the roster, and that's Chuck Clark. Mm-hmm. That they because they had you know brought in Tony Jefferson and they had they had had done things in free agency that ended up costing them developmental opportunities. But Thomas's first words when he got here is, "I don't know why they signed me. They got Chuck Clark." <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. It's a it's a it's a very pertinent comment. Yeah, but, uh, a profit. Yeah. Uh, and of course, the big miss, and, and, and this is a player obviously is going to probably come up because he's a free agent now. The big miss on Brashad Perriman in 2015 really set the Ravens back in terms of the big swings they had taken in the draft. And you know, he's a player they knew had an injury problem when he came out of camp. That cost him to, when he came out of school, rather. That cost him developmental time. And then, uh, you know, he had a good year for the Ravens in his second year, right? His second year, he had uh, 34, 35 targets or catches and was you know, was decent. And then his, his fourth year, he imploded and was terrible. Actually, it was his third year. Second year was good. Third year imploded. Fourth year cut. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, since then, uh, <laughs> you know, very unfortunately, Perriman has put together 94 targets after two over two seasons have been just fantastic. Higher basically than any Ravens wide receiver in team history in terms of productivity per target 10.5 mm-hmm. yards per target in the 94 targets he's had over these last two seasons with uh, cleveland and tampa yeah ravens fans in general are just so hurt by that uh that player that they don't even want to acknowledge any improvements he may have had uh, while spending time with the buccaneers and a little bit with uh, cleveland and now that he's a free agent still in the market it's an interesting player to look at, but just because of the dynamics between the team and the player and the fan base, you know that one's not going to happen. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think it's very unlikely. Um, and, and I'm not sure that Perriman, even the rest of the league, has forgiven him for what happened three <laughs> years ago. So he may be on a one-year prove-it deal again. And it's, you know, it's pretty funny considering how good the last two years have been. But there may not be anybody who's looking to sign Brashad Perriman for you know, three years close to $30 million, let's say. I think the Texans uh, are. <laughs> they love, yeah, they love maybe. Yeah, He might be good for that offense. He, he might be. Oh yeah, that I, might be a good I think place for him. Might be a really good fit. Uh, yeah. it, was, it was slightly facetious, but also, <laughs> like, yeah, he might be a good fit. Um, they they picked up uh, Randall Cobb, who originally I was thinking might be an interesting pickup for the Ravens, maybe a cheaper cheaper price tag, but then he got signed for nine million a year, and I was kind of blown away by that. 
Yeah, I, I, I am too. I, I, what, we, what we'd hope to do with this show is look at the three positions that are available and the wide receivers in particular, and you're getting exactly at, at this, and try have, have you pick, because you're the guest, Alex, and, Alec, and we want to make sure we go through this, um, to pick, pick players that you think embody what makes sense for the Ravens in the current UFA market at wide receiver, at tight end, at running back. And, uh, you know, this has become a little bit more interesting in the last day with, of course, Hurst going up. But why don't we start at wide receiver and, and talk through some of the people who are no longer on the market first. And obviously, Amari Cooper was at the very top of the market, signed or reportedly is signed. I'm not sure which, which, whether they've actually got the contract done for five years for $100 million back with Dallas. So he's off the table. He's clearly the best of the free agent lot. Oh, yeah, not even close. And then, of course, Diggs was uh, looking to be traded, and that happened yesterday as well. He had been very exciting in an offense like ours, but we just don't have the cap room for a player of that, of that, uh, you know, or, or the draft capital in this <laughs> yeah, case. They, what they asked mm-hmm. for was a first of, you know, a fourth, a fifth, a, you know, it's it was four picks for one, I believe. And the one they got in return was a seventh. Yes. So it was, I, 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 it was just an unbelievable price tag. It also looked to me because I looked at his contract. I thought it was fifty six point five million he had left after four over the next four years. Uh, when you strip out the prorated bonus, but they must have eaten some of his contract value before they traded him, like like accelerated some of it into bonus because he's only got 44 million, I think it is, with Buffalo over the four-year period. So Buffalo may have had cap situation and 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 whatnot, but they did get a very discounted price on Diggs for the contract period. So I understand why the draft capital will be a little higher. I still think that's too much. You know, yeah, it, that wouldn't excite me. I think it would, it would hamper our ability to sign players long term. Right, right. That's it. And and you know you got to. That's the question you need to ask yourself: is who do you want to give up if you spend forty four million on Diggs? Because you know they've got to sign Jackson probably after this season. They've got to sign Stanley now. I mean, they could wait, and they could you know if it's if it turns into a game of chicken, I sure hope it doesn't. They could wait until after this year, and they could they could uh, the fifth year option is this year. They could tag him, and and you know they could. They could do all sorts of things to try and keep him around, but we don't get into that. Now, Humphrey also is going to need to be signed after next year because he'll have just completed his fourth year. So yep. those those three cornerstone contracts, we would agree, they're not they're not going anywhere, right? Oh yeah, that, that you got to make sure that you keep those players around. They're the the cornerstone of your team on uh, offense and defense, and it it needs to happen. I think whenever you look at free agent, you're giving up the opportunity to keep one of your own homegrown guys, and you have to like the guy way more than anyone on your roster and way more than you think they could ever establish themselves to be to go down that route, in my opinion. Even if you're trying to win now, you just got to be very cautious about who you bring in. Right. I, I, I agree completely. And, and, of course, when you spend that money for your homegrown talent, you, you get the benefit from the comp system of not getting penalized. For, for signing that guy, which is a very big deal. And the Ravens have you know, certainly harvested a lot of value from the comp system over the years, both in terms of, of uh, the picks themselves and now the ability to trade them. So uh, they're masters at manipulating that. They should, they should make sure they continue to do it. Other teams are catching up in that regard, but I still don't feel like the whole NFL really respects the comp system. No, not at all. I, I, I completely agree with you. I think is still somewhat of a dark art, even though it's kind of hiding in plain sight of what we're doing and what other successful uh, teams are doing. If you look at the list of the top teams that get compensatory picks, they're the most competitive year in and year out. And the uh, best drafters. Yeah, exactly. 
So, you know, you, you look at this and, and the Ravens have lost a lot of great players to free agency. And, and you know, we, we bitch and moan about it. But the fact of the matter is, that's what you want. You want to lose good picks to free agency because the alternative is you have to sign somebody else, not get compensatory picks. It's it's the failure, the failing team that, that can't let any good players go. You have the choice of your cornerstone players when you make when you, when you have good good draft basis. Yeah, absolutely. So going back to the wide receivers, I would say for me, the biggest thing I want to see the Ravens acquire either through free agency or um, the draft or UFA um, is I want a player that gives confidence to Lamar Jackson and is kind of a safety blanket kind of player, not so much looking for speed because we have that in Hollywood Brown and in Miles Boykin. To uh, you know, growing young wide receivers that I want them to get the playing time to continue to mature. I don't know if you've been, uh, if you saw actually, um, Hollywood Brown has been posting loads of workout videos. It seems like he's training like crazy in the off season, which is exciting to see. And um, I, I just want a more of a safety blanket kind of player. And if you look at it, the wide receiver landscape, there's not that many of those kinds of players available there may be one or two interesting players but if we just look through it aj green got tagged i think he's on the descent of his career and that's really not the direction i would suggest the ravens go particularly now that he's been tagged and in a conference trade that seems unlikely he's a first of all he's a player who commands a large value if the if the bengals thought it was worth it to tag him He's a guy who you would have had to pay a lot of money. And I'm, I'm not saying the Bengals' judgment is perfect in this regard because the Bengals are certainly a team scrambling to make enough good draft picks that they can keep ones they want. They're really one on, uh, that's, that's usually on the losing edge of that uh, comp pick formula. But, but uh, you know, Green was a player who, who is older, as you mentioned, and I, I really hate buying into the decline phase of a career, in particular one where he's just coming off an injury. Yeah, he hasn't played much over the last two seasons either. So it's not even just one injury. Another person that has a little bit of injury concerns as of late is Emmanuel Sanders. I know there's been a lot of chatter on uh, different articles that he might be a good fit with the Ravens. And he is a person that excites me. He brings a dynamic part to an offense. He's a, a trusted wide receiver. He even gets involved in uh, you know trick plays and throws the ball. But I don't. 33. S- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't see that being the answer. And it, it will take away from the development of another younger player. So that I'm not I'm not there with uh, Emmanuel Sanders either. No, I, I'm not either. He's been a consistent receiver, but but uh, to have uh, he plays he, he basically plays every down. But but he I, I'm not excited about a guy who's 33 years old, and I'm really not excited about a guy I have to sign for multiple years at 33. And I know that's, I'm, I'm much more excited about Calais Campbell at 34 because A, he's a two-year deal, and B, he's on the defensive line where a decay of speed is not going to impact him in the same way. There's other, other things that could go wrong. He's probably more likely to get hurt. But Emmanuel Sanders, I just, I, I'm, I, I would think the risk is so great bringing in a receiver of that age that, that I, I think it's, uh, he's not someone I would touch. Yeah, the wide receiver position, like many skill positions, is a high twitch kind of uh, position. It needs that, and you lose that kind of suddenly, it seems, in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Going down the list oh, – go ahead. No, no, I didn't have anything. I was just agreeing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then going down the list, you got Robbie Anderson. 
a lot of people have also pointed to him, and I want nothing of it. He's very inconsistent. All he gives you is speed, and we already have that. And he has some troubles off the field. I don't think he makes any sense. He's the right age, so I liked that part. But other than that, he's I, I didn't see a lot to like about it. Uh, he's he's uh, you know other than you know, he's at the top of the market. You start with that. Uh, you know the Ravens would really he'd he'd I, I don't think he'd be a terrible fit in terms of the offense, but he would get less targets. You know, you mentioned people who are complaining are probably not a great fit for that. So I mean, I'm with you. I'm I'm a no on Robbie Anderson. So there's a bunch of other wide receivers that we could mention, but I think we'd get to the same point that they're not a good fit. One player that is a little bit interesting, who's shown flashes of, uh, of you know, some skill and 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 good play, is Geronimo Allison of Green Bay, and he is one of those younger players coming off the first contract that could be able to grow with Lamar Jackson and um, really expand his skills. So you could get him at a lower price and and see if he grows, and if he doesn't, maybe have a contract structured such that you can get out of it um, after a year or two if it doesn't work out. Yeah, I, I I don't think that'd be a bad choice at all. Uh, and, and I have I have others, but but Allison would be one that I would be on board with. And it's a, again, it's a right player, right place situation. Okay, so then who are some of your players? I I think Nelson Aguilar of the Eagles is a guy who had a terrible year last year, but he's the right age. He's been good in the past. Maybe he's a guy you can get at a discounted price. So, he's, so I think he's 26 years old. And I'm not looking at it right now. But but he's a player that I would consider uh, along those lines. I feel like maybe you haven't compete in camp, but I, it's hard for me to get excited about Nelson Aguilar personally, just because his hands have been so suspect. Um, you got people like Devin Funches, who's been kind of a touchdown machine, but other than that, I, I don't I don't think he dominates um, in the rest of the field, and I don't think that's really something we need given our other. Uh, positional players. So I don't know. What do you think about Devin Punches? Yeah, I, I, it's, uh, you know, he's another, he's another possibility. I mean, I, I would think, isn't he going to make a little bit of money? Wouldn't we be a, a little concerned about that? Oh, uh, maybe, <laughs> I guess. I don't. Yeah, Personally, it wouldn't be for me, but I think it might yeah. be for another team. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the thing. I mean, it's, it's a thin market. So people, after the top guys, and, you know, Amari Cooper is, is out there, you know, two grades away from everybody else. Mm-hmm. Then you got a bunch of older guys who who uh, may still be good, like Green, who who's not available anymore, and and Randall Cobb maybe was even in that group. And then you got all the guys you have to compromise on, and and it's it's a tough field to kind of weed your way through. Is you know, do we want a stylistic fit uh, who's going to make less money? And and I think that's what you end up really wanting to decide is is could I get a speed guy here? Could I make more use out of a guy like Aguilar? Maybe it's maybe it's Funchess, maybe it's somebody else who who does specific things well that I think would mesh with my offense. Can he run jet sweeps? Can he do uh, you know some of the other things that I that I want to do with Lamar to try and and uh, you know just confuse and uh, deceive the Ravens uh, Ravens opponent? I mean, it's something definitely that the the currency of the Ravens offense still is is speed and deception, and mm-hmm. and to to uh, to get more of that, I think is good. I mean, you've, you've talked about getting a possession guy. No problem with that. I think they've got that with a lot of their tight ends with, you know, they don't have Hurst anymore, but they certainly ha- still have it with Boyle and Andrews, uh, you know, in terms of guys who, who dominate the middle of the field with their size, aren't afraid to go over the middle field and get hit. 
you just there aren't as many receivers who do exactly that for you. So it's more of of getting other playmakers than Lamar the ball in space that I'd be looking to do. So I agree with all that. Um, I think we can move on to running backs. Sure. So with running back, I've uh, historically has said, and I agree with to this day, I don't want to spend much money on them. Ingram kind of surprised me. I was a little hesitant about the deal at first, but then he played so well that I, I became okay with it. And I apologize for ever uh, you know, doubting <laughs> that, that uh, we should spend any money on a running back. But traditionally you can find a running back in later rounds in the draft young. It's usually the first uh, contract you get the most value out of them and then they get paid and they don't play as well. And, which is very unfortunate for the running back position. I was hoping that would get addressed in the CBA because they are a very unique position in that regard. But if we do look at the market, um, one of the people that would be interesting to me is theoretic because he would provide special teams value and also give us a third down scat back, um, which we may or may not have with Justice Hill. I like Justice Hill a lot. I would like to see him continue to get more reps and develop. And we kind of saw a little bit of that at the end of the season. So I do hesitate a little bit trying to find a, a free agent who might take away those opportunities, but the value that theoretic would give on special teams might make it worth it. Yeah. He's been a consistent high number of receptions guy, kind of a safety blanket for Stafford in Detroit. Uh, certainly grown up with him in the league. Uh, I wouldn't have a problem with a pick like that. I mean, I, 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 it's a, it's all a matter of price in his case. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it would, would be exciting. He's a smaller guy. Uh, you know, I I don't really question uh, the acquisition of another such guy, but he's almost like he would be a replacement for Hill if he's sitting around on the roster. And what I would what I would like to get you okay, I want to address the the original point you made here because it's really important. Is that the okay. running back position? You really want to get them on their first contract, and the Ravens have done a great job in recent years of finding bargain bin guys released from other teams on their first contract. And literally, it's like each year, every team in the league seems to have like a handful of sand where they can't keep the whole thing for the season, and it just has to slip through the finger their fingers. And maybe some of that will be addressed with the way with the additional roster spots that most teams will keep an extra running back. But there seems to be so many running backs out there. And the problem is systemic. The running back position attracts a lot of the best athletes of normal build, I'll call it, to the to the NFL ranks. And, you know, we were fortunate. Marlon Humphrey, his dad told him, you know, stop playing running back. You need to play a position where you're not going to get beat up. You need to play defensive back, even though you mm-hmm. love playing running back. And and it's exactly the right the right call to make for a lot of these great young athletes is, is figure how to play DB, but it's not as sexy and mm-hmm. they don't think there's the, the same opportunity to get noticed in college. But the truth of the matter is at the NFL level, having those position specific skills is what keeps you around the league for longer. And, uh, and, and the, those, the fastest athletes, the, the best ones who can uh, have the hips to play corner and, and, and some of the change of direction skills and also the ability to find the ball in the air uh, they're just tremendously valuable at cornerback. But, you know, also, I mean, there's a fair amount of, of overlap between safeties, linebackers, and running backs as well. They're, they're a very deep um, size and shape position pool. And that's the mm-hmm. reason why they're not tremendously valued after the first contract is there's just there's always a good flow of them coming into the league of very talented young athletes. 
That's a really good point. I never really thought of it in that way and how they're kind of a very common body type, so to speak, of athletes. Mm-hmm. Very good point. Yeah. Yeah, but it's it's a it's when you look at the size and shape position pool of like left tackle. I mean, what you yeah, want right. is so specific in terms of you know I want a really tall guy with long arms and good feet. I mean, boy, you've really narrowed your search tremendously. <laughs> and a lot of the great athletes aren't there. I mean, oftentimes those guys are ex basketball players who mm-hmm. a lot of them. Jared Gaither really falls in this category. I don't want to th- throw this net on everybody because it's going to catch a lot of Dolphins who are uh, not Miami Dolphins, but you know Dolphins in the tuna <laughs> net who who are are perfectly happy to be playing left tackle in the NFL. But there's also a lot of guys who are who who would much rather have played basketball. They just weren't quite quick enough for that, and they're just not as dedicated to the game. And and I think we've seen a lot of uh, left tackles specifically fall into that category. And Bryant McKinney may have been one, but uh, but Jared Gaither definitely was one. And you know you end up with a with a size and shape pool that is small at that position, and and you really need to look at it. Looking at the rest of the running back market, I think a lot of the running backs are out of the price range for the Ravens, or don't make much sense given the current roster. Um, do you have anyone else that you want to bring up? Not not anyone else in particular. You're you're hitting on some of the qualities, and and I think the receiving quality running back very important. You know, get, mm-hmm. find a receiver and catch the ball. Riddick makes sense from that point of view. It may be in more demand. I like the Danny Woodhead signing a few years ago, and, and Riddick is not terribly different in terms of a guy who is a exceptional pass blocker for his size. You know, not necessarily a dominant mm-hmm. pass blocker, but exceptional for his size. And, uh, you know, it just, it just was a shame that he stayed on the field for, what, about three plays for the Ravens before <laughs> he got hurt. One drive, the first drive he was hurt. I, I will like that, actually, to that point receiving running backs are incredibly important and they really can change the way you run your offense. And you see how the Ravens have a very unique offense, very run focused. But when you add that extra element of the fact that they could come out of the backfield and catch, or they could block and then scrap that blocking and get the ball that gives you a great element uh, that the defense has to account for. So I think that's really important. Yeah. It's this, this offense more so than any offense in history was made for trailers coming out of the backfield. So a guy who will chip block, then go. Okay, mm-hmm. so so the Ravens had that in the past with with various players, but I'm going to go back to 2006, and I'll take Ovi Mahaley, mm-hmm. was an unknown fullback who suddenly had you know, a long touchdown play at Tennessee and suddenly was the biggest thing in the Ravens' offense the second half of that year. With I think he ended up with 20 or 22 catches, but he had two catches in his career before he caught that touchdown pass at Tennessee. And mm-hmm. you know, he, cut, he came out as a trailer after a block. He was the last option. And uh, and then he ran over people after the fact. Yeah. You know, having a, having a running back who can escape the backfield late with Lamar Jackson as opposed to Joe Flacco or Steve McNair, even more important. Because Lamar Jackson is that play extender, would love to have mm-hmm. that secondary you know, you know, safety blanket come out. I think he gets that with the tight ends the Ravens have, but, but I think he could, you know, you could have even more in terms of absolutely flustering opposing defenses. If he had another running back, you get it. And I think that Mark Ingram was some of that. He, he certainly was a guy also who was the primary target and knew how to get open as a running back. Obi Mahaley was so exciting with the ball in his hands. Mm-hmm. Like you said, he was ruthless and uh, would power through so many tackles. Um, and I would like to point out, he was actually a comp pick. So uh, we, we mentioned about it last uh, time we talked, but uh, we didn't create Ravens Recap, the podcast I normally do, um, a bracket that we'll be releasing with the episode today um, of all the comp picks ever. Well, not all of them. We had to cut out the bottom feeders that would make it more complicated bracket, but the top like 32 or so. And uh, yeah, we'll be releasing that. And 
and giving you a little bit of a substitute for your March Madness uh, woes. That's that's a great that's a great idea for a show. I encourage folks to go give that a listen. Uh, I, I, I'm uh, you sent me the thing last night. I listened to about two minutes of it, but I, I promise you, I'm going to listen to the entire <laughs> thing, and I would highly recommend folks do so. It's a uh, it's a great idea for a show. Uh, okay, where you go ahead. Keep us in line. Yeah. It's, you know what's you know great is having a guest who has his own podcast because you're very adept at recentering the show, getting us back on track <laughs> with where we are. I appreciate that, Alec, but go ahead. Yeah, no problem. So after that uh, little digression about running backs and the importance and catching the ball, uh, let's go back and, uh, or I guess forward now, with tight ends. So this looks dramatically different than the last time we spoke, Ken. We don't have Aiden <laughs> Hurst anymore. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. It was less than 24 hours ago. Um, but here we are. So with a tight end position, it's an interesting one. If you look at the available free agents, unfortunately, there are a lot of like pretty big names that I don't know how they fit on our offense and our current cap problems. Um, I don't know if you want to call it a problem, but situation. So Austin Hooper went. You still have Hunter Henry on the market, but he's been dealing with a lot of injuries. He, he got, I think he got tagged, didn't he? Oh, did he? I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. No problem. Uh, and then uh, Jacob Hollister, he has a tender on him, so not really an option. Um, so you, you actually don't have that many options around the league. Delaney Walker got released, but he's 36 years old. Um, right. <laughs> you know, So one of the things I thought was kind of interesting with the Austin Hooper signing yesterday is that uh, – and Joku, who a lot of people think has a great potential, will not have as much work and may be a trade candidate. But because he's in our division, I don't really see that happening. Okay, so Njoku uh, is not a free agent himself. He's been he's, he's a fourth year player coming up this season. Yeah, and you know there are questions about his ability as well. He certainly had his worst season in 2019 in terms of what he did as a receiver. So and only only wasn't on the field very much. I don't remember how many games he played. It might have been three or four games that he played the whole season. But uh, he's, you know, he, he would be a question mark coming up. They obviously had questions about him. I, I don't know that he's been thought of too highly as an inline blocker either, like as mm. a run blocker. I, I just don't know. Uh, but but uh, that obviously would be a concern for them as well. We'll remember David Njoku fondly all, uh, always here as a guy who was covered twice by Anthony Levine on the final four-down stop in 2018 that helped him make the playoffs. The one that ended Mosley's interception. <laughs> it was it was Njoku, uh, or Levine, knocking the ball free from Njoku on first down and then again on third down in a on a sequence where the Ravens had four consecutive passes defense. I still, sometimes I'll watch football when I go to sleep. That's something I just love to watch, <laughs> that, that drive. And usually I, I'm asleep before the two long challenges are done and you even get to those four things. But just I, I, certain things just put me to sleep in a minute. Ken, you might appreciate this story, but we uh, had some friends from out of town and that game, you know, went long and we were going to meet up for dinner after the game. But uh, we ended up actually walking uh, to a restaurant in our local neighborhood to meet up with them. And the challenges were still going on and it took us like 10 minutes to get there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so uh we, by the time we got there they had tvs so it was like the perfect time we kind of were like oh they're challenging it let's go we'll, we'll catch it there uh, uh, uh is this is this your wife's friends at the time you're you're soon to be your fiance's friends yeah 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 <laughs> they were okay so I'm, I'm wondering why the hell are you leaving you know a football game with the afc north on the line <laughs> you know <laughs> at that I, exact I, time i was watching it on my phone ken i i, I know <laughs> Yeah, I don't normally make plans uh, during a football game, but uh, they were in town very briefly, and, and I did like I, it was great seeing them. But yeah, good, very good point. 
Having having that the right woman who understands your your need to need to assign that time <laughs> to other things is important. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Um. So, anyway, um, looking uh, further on the on the market, Ricky Seals Jones is actually kind of a player that interests me. He's a younger player. Um, and considering the fact that we're not looking at him to be a, a bell cow, uh, you have two great tight ends already. He actually might be a decent pick. So we want to comb the Cleveland roster for available players. <laughs> yeah, obviously he got playing time in Njoku's absence last year more than he would have otherwise. Uh, the guy had a, a, I guess you'd call it a halfway decent year at Arizona. Um, mm-hmm. where he had 34 grabs. Uh, you know, honestly, in terms of what they, how productive they've been as receivers, both Seals Jones and uh, and Joku, their careers look a little bit like ski slopes in terms of their what they've done as receivers. Mm-hmm. So That's I, good point. I, you know, I'm not that excited. And they're both. I guess Seals Jones is a third year player, fourth year player. He's not. He's a free agent. He is a free agent. Mm-hmm. So he's he he must have been on IR or something in his in 2016 when he came out. No, not true. I'm looking at this here. It says that he was drafted in 2017. So I'm not sure. Maybe they didn't tender him or not sure exactly what happened. Yeah, me either. I guess uh, the, the biggest thing to kind of point out with the tight end class is that the Ravens have actually done an incredible job of growing their own over the years. And you look at the free agents and what they bring to the table, and I don't know if any of them are great fits. They might be interesting camp bodies that can compete for a roster spot but I wouldn't really be going to commit to any of these players at this point. And maybe we go and draft one instead. Well, they, they talked, you know, is, is scarf the guy who scarf? I'm not, I don't know if I'm familiar with. Scarf. Okay. I'm, I'm sorry. Maybe the, the Ravens free agent last year. Uh, let me make sure I have his name correct. I thought it was scarf. Yeah. Charles scarf. Okay. So the, he, he was in camp last year. He's six, six, two seventy. So he might be a, a guy who could block mm-hmm. and, what I'm thinking, you know, the, the characteristic I want, I want either a jack-of-all-trades guy who can play fullback mm-hmm. and and can also do this. Because, honestly, the Ravens' offense has to change dramatically if they lose Al, uh, uh, Ricard, Alan Ricard. If they lose Patrick Ricard now mm-hmm. at any point during the season. And it'd be nice to have another guy who would be that kind of a Swiss Army knife and could definitely fill some of the blocking need. But the other thing they need is they need the, the Hayden Hurst diamond formation blocking guy who has the quickness to get out of the pattern and also uh, be a good level two and level three blocker because the way the Ravens run the read option, they want to get mismatches at every level by leaving that defensive end, the edge player on the, on the, let's say the right side of that defensive line unblocked. And what that means is every one of your guys has a mismatch the rest of the way. You get Orlando Brown on a scraping linebacker, Total mismatch. You, you get Hurst into level two or level three a lot of times to block usually a safety or even a corner. You get your, you, you know, a big wide receiver body on a smaller corner. You just get, you develop advantages at all three levels because you're willing to let their best defender go unblocked. And and I, I would think Scarf might not meet the quickness need of the position, but he also could be a backup inline blocker if anything happened to Boyle. Okay, that, that I'm really glad you brought that up because uh, kind of forgotten from this conversation is Patrick Ricard and the unique position he plays on the Ravens. Um, 110% agree that we need another player who could fill that sort of role. And um, he's very unique. You know, we have the Ravens actually are pretty used to having this kind of player. You know, look at Juice Check, like a halfback, um, fullback, 
tweener tight end kind of does a lot of different things and can fit, fill in in that position. Very good point. Yeah. So looking and uh, look at free agency. I don't know if any because it's such a unique kind of position. I don't know if there's any on the market. Well, there might not be. And, and you know, mm-hmm. one of the reasons people have been talking about about Charles Scarf, uh, you know, is that he kind of fits a lot of specifically what the Ravens need. And that may be what they need to do, just like they would at running back, find the best stylistic fit from UDFAs, from maybe the draft and some of the some of the less sexy uh, names you go further down in the draft. It was the, the, the tight end from Notre Dame. Uh, what's his name? I want to say K-Met, but that's not it, I don't think. Um. Uh, I, I this is not the right show for me to do this on, but but uh, <laughs> but but I, anyway, they, they, I think there are going to be options in the draft. One thing I want to make sure we we talked about before we got off mm-hmm. uh, was what you thought in terms of the value of the Hayden Hurst trade. Oh, great point. So I think now is the time to do it because. As you know, he plays more with the Ravens. He loses leverage in his contract years for the other team to exploit and, and you know use to their benefit. So you would get less and less value. I think getting a second round pick, which is about, um, I think you you tweeted out about half the value of the pick he was used to get drafted by, mm-hmm. is um, awesome for the years of service he gave us and and contributions he made. So Sage. yeah, I think I think it was a great trade. Another Eric DeCosta special. Yeah, I, I thought it was a, a pretty good trade, too. You know, one of the points that, that was made, I won't take credit for it, but there's a guy online uh, uh, who made it, was Spencer Peterson, I think it was, who's, who made the point that it de-stacks a bunch of the tight end contracts from coming due at the same time or approximately the same time. Now, Hurst, if he had a breakout year this year, could have had a fifth-year option, but if he didn't have a breakout year this year, which is probably more likely than not, you're, you're talking about all of the guys, Boyle, Hurst, and Andrews, all coming due at the same time. And that's it's, it's not optimal for those three to come at the same time. It's really not optimal when the other good players from the 2018 draft, like Brown, like Jackson, mm-hmm. in theory, are also coming due at that, at that same moment. So, you know, the Ravens definitely need to figure out how to get younger at a lot of positions. Well, it was, it, you know, Michael Brockers, in, from that standpoint, was a little bit surprising. I did not think that the Ravens had another cornerstone contract in them. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and at $10 million a year, it's a lot to pay for exactly what they're getting from Brocker. So I was a little surprised it happened. They, they probably are, are going to be ready. I, I hope this, these contracts have been structured anyway, let's put it, that they can get out of one or two of them early because they're going to need to, to re-sign Jackson, to get Andrews and, and Brown and people like that signed. Yeah, that one really did throw me for a loop as well. So totally agree. I think um, – <laughs> I kind of lost my train of thought there with the uh, – Sorry, we were, we were talking about Hurst? <laughs> oh, yes. So actually, one other point is the fact that the uh, third-round pick is the best you can get as a comp pick, right? So there's no chance of us getting a second-round pick if he were to walk and get signed by someone else. And the reality is there's too many people to sign to that draft to really sign him, right? Like we're going to probably choose Mark Andrews over him. So it, it kind of had to happen, and this is the best-case scenario for the Ravens going forward. Yeah, I agree with that. And and let's let's talk about that for a second because let's say Hurst became gold. First of all, he, you know, it would be a year later that you get that comp pick. But the Ravens don't sign him and you, don't sign him to the um, uh, the one year option. They don't give him the one year option entering year four, which means mm-hmm. he, he he doesn't 
He's not there for a fifth year. He's just a free agent after four years. They got the 55th pick from Atlanta in this trade. And I apologize, by the way, for originally thinking that it was the 47th and publishing that, but right. it's actually the, the 55th, which is worth about 350 JJ points. If you go and you instead get a comp pick at the end of the third round, which we always consider gold here, it's worth about one-fourth as much as mm. that 55th pick in terms of value, and it's a year later. So you have to discount it for that as well. Now, admittedly, we get the, we get the, the value of the playing time from Hurst out of it for two years, which would be very nice, but I, I'm not sure that uh, you know in terms of the, the comp value, you can't compare a third-round comp pick to a pick anywhere in the second round. Uh, you know, it's, it's at least going to have three times the value, um, unless you're talking about the very last pick of the second round is 270. The very mm-hmm. first comp pick is 112. So, I mean, you're, you're, you're two and a half times is the absolute minimum ratio, and it might be five times depending on where you're where you're picking in that in that second and third round. So, second round pick a, a lot more valuable. Yeah, I, we loved Hayden Hurst on our show. Uh, it was a sad day to see him go from just a fan perspective, but I think that's why you have to have a GM who's a little bit less uh, you know, emotionally attached to these players. And I think it was a savvy move. Yeah, he's, he's, DaCosta is remarkable in terms of that, in, in terms of being a, uh, a guy who's very able to, to, to make those decisions rationally, not get attached to players. And, you know, I mean, Tony Jefferson was a guy who played his heart out here for three years and had to be cut. And, and the Ravens did a great job of, you know, talking about how difficult it was to make that football decision and, and, you know, I, in a lot of ways, I'm very sad to see Tony go, but it was the move that had to be made, obviously, with Chuck Clark ascending. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, Alec, anything else at, at any positions that we should be talking about while we're on the skill position play? I appreciate you doing this, uh, you know, on short notice here and, and, and us getting uh, what I think is a very current view of this that we'll try and get up tonight uh, okay. on air. Uh, is there anything else, anybody else you want to talk about? No, not at all, Ken. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to chat with you again. No, it's a, my pleasure, Alec. We'll have you on whenever we can. Uh, tell us a little bit about where folks can find your show. Yeah, so we uh, are on all the uh, popular podcasting uh, platforms. You can find us, Ravens Recap. Uh, also on Twitter, Ravens underscore Recap. And we tweet there pretty often whenever uh, there's some Raven news. So definitely uh, check it out. It's a different kind of show. It's more of a – we try to bring that Baltimore fan atmosphere to those who may not be – in Baltimore and kind of discuss the water cooler talk of the day with the Ravens. And uh, yeah, maybe you'll enjoy it. That's, that's really cool. The, uh, the, there's a huge number of people, particularly in the U S military, but also foreign fans who just pick up the game and, and really like the Ravens. They really depend on the podcast community to bring them a lot of their news. You know, they go to mm-hmm. the boards too, but, but I think the podcasting is becoming bigger in terms of how people get their Ravens news. And, uh, and, you know, you can really appreciate that. I love your idea for a show. I hope people give that, a, that a chance. Uh, I hope you'll also give film study a chance, both the website, uh, filmstudybaltimore.com. We've got a lot of good material up, including the offensive line charts. I want to make sure people are taking a look at those and kind of getting an idea of how I break that down into a raw score plus an adjustment mm-hmm. for every game. Uh, those are out there, uh, and the uh, we've, we've done some rework on that, and we're going to try and publish the old years going backwards so people have a, have a, have a chance to look at those as well. Uh, all the articles are out there with positional reviews for 2019. You can follow me at Film Study Ravens on Twitter. Uh, Alec, you're just at Ravens Recap, or do you use your personal account there as well on, on Twitter? Do you want to mention that? Oh, yeah, A. Pulianis, P-U-L-I-A-N-A-S. But I've kind of moved all my Ravens tweeting to uh, Ravens recap 
I will say also, check out Film Studies website. I never noticed that you had that video about um, identifying the defenses until we talked for the first time on air. And that is a great resource. I just thought you, the work that you're doing is improving everyone's football IQ in Baltimore. The fan base is about to become the most uh, you know, smart about football in, in the, the NFL. You know, I really appreciate you mentioning that video, and, and you don't have to have all the superlatives, but I'm going to redo that video <laughs> for this year. But I would appreciate if people if people take a look last year, because there's going to be stuff I'm sure that I forget to say this time around. And remarkably, the Ravens packages really, it, it makes worthwhile a video this year again, because they went through such extreme changes this year to play quarter, to play half dollar more. Uh, you know, they played the first snap ever in, in uh, of the team in a half dollar. But anyway, there'll be new stuff for this year. But I would encourage people. It's a short video, 30 minutes. Identify the defense for your seat. And thanks for bringing that up, Alec. I, I greatly appreciate that. Yeah, no problem. Well, I think uh, that was great, man. All right. Thanks. Thanks uh, for joining us again. And we'll see you next time on Film Study. <laughs> Birdland Sports. For fans, by fans. Find more great shows like this at birdlandsports.com. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from RootMetric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch. Now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in-store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only. Excludes Alaska and Hawaii. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.